Hey, welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I'm going to have uh, Evan Zivanaski on the show. Welcome to the show. John, nice to see you. How are you? Good to see you again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, so I want to start off uh, this podcast with my usual, your bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Okay. So who I am, my name is Evan Zivanakis. So your pronunciation was good. I get I get it often. I get it every time. And uh, I work uh, with successful leaders and business owners who are kind of, you know, facing a setback. And I help them get over that setback, setback by getting clarity on their goals and exploring ways to reach them so they can lead with a little more ease. How I got here, well, a bit of my background, I come from a um, consultancy management business development background. As soon as I grad, I started in, um, John, I started in Switzerland and in the UK. Um, when I was in the UK, I opened my first business when I was at the age of 25. Then I ran that for seven years and I sold it. Then I took a year break traveling around. And then I was uh, headhunted by a company to help a financial broker expand its footprint in Asia. And I helped that company expand across Southeast Asia and Australia. I was responsible for around six offices across from Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, all the way to Australia. And we did, I did that for exactly five years. And after five years, I, uh, you know, I took my exit, I took my cat and, uh, at the time, I was responsible for around 500 employees across different cultures. So, you know, that gave me a, an opportunity to learn to work with different people, different cultures, different mentalities, different religions, different expectations, you know, different backgrounds. And it was really like a live, real life business school. So I did that for five years. And since 2017, 18, I, I'm an executive coach. I am a management consultant. I also teach part-time at the EU Business School in Geneva. So I work with leaders, managers, and business owners who are facing a setback, and I help them get over that setback. And, you know, setback, you know, it depends on the, on the challenge. Lately, a lot has to do with employee engagement. How do I manage people that work remotely? How do I mobilize people? How do I increase sales? How do I make sure my people are working when they are working from home? How do I increase productivity and all that? Right. Well, that, that's a good question, though. Now, how do you manage somebody working from home? Like, what would be the process on your end? Well, the first thing comes with trust, you know. So um, I think one of the questions that went through all managers' mind when, minds when we shifted to remote or hybrid if you remember a couple of years ago in March 2020, where most of the lockdowns happened globally, the question that came, I suppose, through managers' mind is, are they working when they're working from home? And um, you can't really control people. You know, you can't be in their houses, right? Because if they work in a remote setting, there is no management by walking about. So right, the right. first thing is trust. And, and the worst thing about this is not just to trust their people, but the worst thing is to show them you don't trust them. So if you cannot trust somebody to work with you, the first question I have is why did you hire them? 
That's a good question. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, and again, it comes down to trust. So, in a way, it's kind of blind faith, and and it's more about who you hired than uh, what you're doing to make sure they're doing the job. So, I, again, go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah, it's just a bit of a, we have a bit of a delay, but it's fine. No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop you there. It's like um, I think you know you are managing people. You know, you are coming from a real estate entrepreneurship sales background and i think you have you know similar experience with managing people sales or marketing people where they like the buzz the atmosphere the office the energy but i think all of us you know i i i, I i've done tons of mistakes i used to believe that i needed power and control but i was wrong right i and, and, and i guess power um, comes really from understanding relations this is something I learned over the last couple of years, and I I argue top leaders can, uh, you know, it's it's all about you know communicating effectively, and the best leaders I can see the most effective leaders, the smartest leaders I work with, you know, they can make their message to their people simple enough for everybody to understand, but complex enough. To make it attractive so at the end of the day i do believe that when you are managing people remotely or in a hybrid work setting it comes down to effective communication yeah that, that that's for sure right and again at, at some point in time it's got to be about the results more than of managing every minute right like i'll be honest when i had my marketing business in the past i had uh, 23 employees and one of my weaknesses was that I was a micromanager at the time. Um, it was my first experience, and I was, I'm a perfectionist by uh, nature. So not everyone's going to be a perfectionist. And the one thing you always got to remember when you have a business is that uh, no one is going to put in the same amount of time and work that you're going to put in for the same price. So with that being said, sometimes you, know, you got to determine the line of what's reasonable and where you where are you shooting too far, right? So, and find different solutions. And that's just the way it is. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for me with having people work from home because I was a micromanager. Now, we're much many more years later. I've learned a lot more. And sometimes I guess you would have to measure the results that you're expecting versus what you get. And I, I think it's very easy to tell if a person's working. Now, prime example, because prior to COVID, as an example, just say you have someone um, who who types uh, Word documents, right? Now, if typically you got 10 pages per day prior to COVID, and now they're working from home and you're only getting five, you've got your answer. But I think from what I understand and from people I talk to, that once people work from home, the output would be higher, actually. Maybe they're not working straight eight hours but you end up getting more from them than you did when they were in the office. That's been the general consensus from people I've talked to. But everybody's different. So now let me ask you, how did you, like you became an entrepreneur, obviously, and you did it since you were 25. So the two questions I have is question one is, you know, did you ever consider the whole working nine to five, working for someone? Or was that never in your vision? Is it something that didn't, you know, you weren't attracted to, like, so did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And the second question 
is, did you have any challenges with your first business being that you're 25? Because I find sometimes like even as a real estate agent, as an example, you get young people and then, you know, coming in at 20 years old, 21, getting their license and they, and people look at them and say, oh, he's too young. He needs more experience. So did you have that problem? Hmm. Well, to answer your first question, um, I, I, I actually never in my life. Yeah, never. I never worked nine to five, actually. Not even a single day. Um, really. Um, now, look, I, uh, I, you know, I went to, you know, my first study after high school, I went to Switzerland and I studied for two years. And then for one year I worked. And then after Switzerland, um, I went to the UK and I did my master's. I did my MBA at Leeds, um, Leeds Metropolitan University. And because I had two years experience, pre two years study experience and one year work experience in Switzerland, I went straight to the final year. So for me, my MBA was um, one year. It was just kind of 12 months. It was like two semesters. So when I went to, to when I moved from the UK to switch from to when I would yeah when I moved from the UK to UK from Switzerland it was an eye opener for me because Switzerland is a beautiful country, but the, the way you work there is very traditional. It's very um, very structured. Like to be a manager, you need to be 40, 45 years old. So when I went to the UK, UK is the opposite. You know, it's, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like US. You know, it doesn't matter your color, your religion, if you are um, your nationality, your beliefs. As long as you can deliver the job, you can get promoted. So as soon as I went there, I saw how fast things were moving in the UK. The innovation, the fact that you didn't need to be forty years old to. To, to really open a business, you know, so things were less traditional. So I guess the environment opened my eyes. So that's what, that's my story. And that's number one. That's how, and then when as I graduated in, from MBA, I saw the opportunity and then I started. Um, I didn't think too much. I didn't have a plan B. I just started it. And the second part is I had a lot of challenges because um, I, the mistake I did, I was really arrogant as a, as a 25-year-old guy, I was really arrogant and cocky. And um, I went to the UK again from Switzerland. And my attitude was, well, I started in Switzerland, you know, from a private college. And I'm going to show you how it's been done. But then I soon realized that I need to prove myself again because now I'm in a totally different country. I'm in a totally different environment. No one knows me. So that arrogance, it cost me losing some team members. And I was a micromanager as well, but something that you touched, um, I was a micromanager the bad way. And let me explain if, if I can, if you could allow me. Um, and so I was a micromanager, a bad micromanager, because there is also a good micromanager. And in my experience, John, um, as a subordinate, as a manager, as an employee, as a subordinate, as an executive coach now, um, micromanagement i don't think is the problem the problem is the mismatching style yeah and if you could if you could explain micromanaging is only one type of management right as you know you have um other types of management you have supporting coaching delegating and so on but maybe if you you know you are running a company you are running a team maybe um, micromanagement is best suited to people who are starting a new role and they need to be guided so but there are, but but maybe if you have somebody in your team that they don't, you know, they have experience, they, they, they don't really need you to be there every hour. Um, 
So you need a different approach. You need a different style, different approach, different management because they need they need different supervision. So I suppose the the bottom line of what I'm trying to say is that situational leadership is a good concept to apply. Yes, definitely. I have the same thing here. Like I was a bad micromanager. Um, it's one of those things that see because what I was trying to hire was self-starters who did things on their own, but then I didn't give them the chance to do it on their own, right? So <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, I want an independent person. Oh, I'm independent. Great, you're hired. They got to the table. Are you done yet? They just sat down. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but again, you it's all learning lessons, right? As you get older, you, you kind of see your flaws. Nobody's perfect. And I think that's where self-awareness is important. You know, self-awareness is a big thing. And um, and I think, you know, for example, we're doing this podcast. I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. And I hope, you know, the people that are going to watch this uh, video or listen to the podcast, they will learn. You know, it's uh, not for me to say uh, you're doing something wrong. It's not for you to say, you know, they are doing something. Wrong. We're just sharing experiences. And, uh, and this is why we're doing it. This is the objective of our podcast. And again, thank you for inviting me. Um, and... You, you, you mentioned before results, and uh, I think this is the time where, and I love it, you know, I love it because now managers, we really need to shift our mindset from not what time are people clock in, clock out, but can they do the job? And do we yes. provide them the tools to do the job be before we go and measure the results? Because you're going to be surprised. A lot of managers, a lot of companies, they are not providing... The they are not providing their providing their people the tools like and i'm not talking about the companies like google apple and all that where you go on linkedin you see sometimes pictures you know people start in their company in big companies and they put a picture of the desk and they have everything the laptop the computers the welcome t-shirt the welcome cap the training manual i don't mean like that because these are big companies that have the resources but if you are an sme do you have the tools, the basic tools? Do you provide the basic tools for your people to do the job? Which sometimes it's basic, like a good laptop. Or maybe, you know, if, if they are working from home and they are paying $30 their own internet, maybe you can upgrade their, their internet and you can pay another 20 so they can have a better internet connection. So basic yeah. things like support, basic training, um, bi-weekly meetings and all that. So... For me, a, 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 a successful leader, if I could say, you know, is about balancing, balancing three things, results, relationships, ego. Like, if you are my employee, let's say, theoretically speaking, yeah. and I am too results driven, it's all about go, 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 I will get results from you, but you will not stick around long because I'll drive you crazy. That's true. That's very true. Right? And on the other side... If I'm too friendly with you, I cannot push you. I will make a lot of friends, but I will struggle with results. And the third scenario is if, if I'm too egoistical, you will think, well, what is in it for me? So, as you know, what I've learned from my experiences, again, as a manager and as a coach, is successful leaders, the best leaders I see, they know how to balance those three things, results, relationships, ego. And it's all about balancing. Well, how did you learn that? That's that's the key point, right? Because it's easy to say, and a lot of people say that I'm going to find balance, and I find balance is relative to your environment. Um, but you got you got to be again. It comes to self awareness. You got to be aware of it. How did you figure it out? 
John, um, I'm a practitioner and I think you are the same. You know, you, our skin is is hard, you know, from sales or communication. It's like we have a hard skin. So yeah. I, 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 if you can allow me, I can answer with a with an analogy, what's the best way to learn how to ride the bicycle? You can read all the books in the world about how to ride the bicycle, but unless you go on the bicycle and you fall down and you scratch your knees and you go back again and you fall down again, you're not going to learn how to ride the bicycle. So the answer is uh, practical experience, work. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing. Today's generation has to understand that. It's okay to fail once. Just don't repeat it. Learn. Grow. Like, you know, people ask me about different cultures. I worked, you know, I'm European. I, I live in the UK. I lived in Europe. Then I moved to Asia. You know, you know, sometimes you learn from your mistakes. And uh, when I first went to Asia, I had the Western mentality. I The colonial style of management. I, ah. You know, <laughs> have you heard of the term colonial manager? You know, back in the days with the colonies, we are the white people. We are going to the aboriginals to tell them how to do things. I had this approach. Well, I didn't go far, I tell you, and then I learned and I followed my face and I realized when you're in Asia and you are having a business conversation with someone, with your employees, with your clients, with your suppliers, sometimes 70% of your time, you're going to talk about life and how is your family and 30% about the actual work because they want to trust you. Yeah, well, that's, that's with everything. Every business starts with, you know, like, look, the best sales approach is to deal with people that know you, like you, and trust you. And it doesn't matter what your product is. I mean, a lot of times people say that with real estate, but I think that applies with every business, right? Like, and and that's the whole point. Look, the whole point of podcasts, aside from learning and the education, like that's what you're providing, but you're trying to show people what you're about and who you are and what you do so they can get to know you, who you are, and they can decide if they like you or trust you. And, and, that, and, and it gets, as much as it helps attract business, it also helps repel business, like the people who don't jive with you, who don't see eye to eye to you, and people who do not want to have anything to do with you. So rather than having the old sales process where you're talking to a person and you're trying to convince them and they're trying to convince you and going back and forth, something like this makes it easy. You kind of know who the person is and you, you either get along with them or you don't. And that's the same with yeah. all businesses. And that's what it's about. Right? It's about finding people you know, like, and trust. And that's how you get repetitive business. Because you can always get business once from one person. But the true tell is whether you jived or not, is whether they become a repeat business. Yeah, I think relationships matter, right? Especially nowadays where most industries are saturated. I mean, yes, there's, there's so much competition that uh, sometimes products, they have minimal differentiation. So it's all down to, you know, do I like you? Do I trust you? Um, do I know you? And, um, and especially now where a lot of meetings, a lot of sales conversations take place online. It's even more challenging. Yeah. It's not, it's not like sometimes, okay, let's go down the pub. We'll close the deal there. I've closed many deals in the pub. I tell you, I lived in England. Most of my deals were closed in the pub over a pint. But it's not anymore. You That's know, true. I actually don't remember two years now. Actually, I've never met a client face to face. Wow. Some of them are scared. It's not necessary anymore. Like at least at the beginning, like before, I remember before the pandemic, 
you know, even though you have somebody who is not a client, but a potential, or just there's they so minimal interest, if you're in the same geolocation, I remember, hey, let's let's have a pint, let's have a coffee, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's not happening anymore. Now I just meet essential clients. So, you know, if we can take that conversation into sales, um, I actually, one of my courses that I teach is, it is sales. And I, cop- I, op- I, I have my own methodology, which is, I call it the OPEN. I have my own uh, sales methodology, which is based on questions. Um, and, you know, what is the, mis- the number one mistake we do as salespeople? I, I, let's say I'm a salesperson. Everybody is a salesperson, right? A lawyer, a teacher, everyone is a salesperson, right? Um, right, right. That's how I see it anyway. I, and sales, I don't mean the transactional sale, but I'm talking about the influence. You know, a parent, yes. sometimes, I don't know if you're a parent, but I'm a father, you know, like we want to, 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 to convince our kids to influence them, right? So everything is a kind of a sale. So it's like, you know, it's like, what is the number one mistake we do? As soon as we grab a client and we see that it has a little bit of interest, we throw up at the client, like verbally, come, let me show you the benefits. Let me show you the features of the company. Let me tell you why we are the best and the client doesn't even have time to breathe. Well, what I do is like, stop, stop talking and start asking questions. And there is a series I teach, open question, probing, effect, nail down. It's like a methodology which I teach. So you come across as a consultant. You don't come across as the sleazy salesperson. You come across as somebody who has interest of the client. And if you follow that sequence, it's all, first of all, it's a mindset, you know, control yourself. The closing comes naturally. And if you have an, if you know how to guide the questions and if you talk in a proper way, like in a conversation, not interrogation, the closing actually will come from the client. Yeah, that's true. See, I, I've got a new technique myself, right? Because I do Excellent. my best. Mm. I do my presentation. And when I do my listening presentation, I go through everything. Like I start off, I'll tell you the process. I, I go to meet a client, we set up an appointment and I do my uh, doc, all my research and everything I need, you know, prior to getting there. And I come in with a little folder, everything's inside. Then uh, I walk in, I introduce myself, you know, say nice to meet, formally meet you. And I go, well, before we get into the uh, conversation in your kitchen, why don't you take me for a tour around your home so I can see it? And because, um, you know, sometimes what they do or don't do can influence the price that they're going to get. Right. So I take them for the tour because I don't want to start talking price, commissions or anything like that until I know what I've seen and what to expect, because the Internet's only going to tell you so much. So once I do that, then we sit in the uh, kitchen and then I tell them all the great things that I like about it. And then I uh, start asking questions. Like you said, you get to know where their mind is, what they're looking for, what their objective is. And I and, and I and. I try to, you know, get out of them everything that they that they're worried about, so I can put them at ease and explain the process to them. Now, with that being said, I do all my presentation, and on the way out, you know, because everyone's going to start off right away, because you know, when I ask you for something, what's the first reaction? No, even if you're interested, it's just a defense. We're programmed that way. That's absolutely right. Right. So I know that. So my line, and it's not a line as a sales line, because I'm really like this is that I said, you have my number, I gave you my card, you have the information, I left my package with you. Now, I'm going to let you think about it for as long as you want to think about it. But I'm telling you now, once I walk out the door, you will never hear from me again. I go, I'm not one of those sales guys that's going to keep calling you and calling you until you 
you know, come up with the uh, strategy to tell me that you're not interested or went somewhere else. You're not, you know what I can offer. I've showed you my presentation. I've put my best foot forward. I've given you my strategy. If you want to proceed, then you're going to have to reach out to me because I won't call you back. Right? So and it's going to be exactly on you. What, this is exactly what the client is not expecting you to say. And that's, yeah. why you, that's why you reverse the game and you play reverse psychology. Yeah. And you know what? Right. Nine out of 10 times, you don't exit the door. They give you the answer that they want to give you. You waste your time. You don't waste your time. Right. So and they don't waste their time. Exactly. So it's very simple. Them, I think one of them, yeah, you, one of the most important thing in sales is in any kind of sales, you know, you do recruitment, you do interviewing, your man, it's to qualify the interest of the client, right? How many times, you know, when you hear people on the phone, they're talking on the phone to the client for 10, 15 minutes, and then you hear the salesperson all of a sudden, my name is John, and then they say, they say the name from the company they are calling from. It means the client, you're talking to the client for 10 minutes, and the client doesn't know your name, doesn't know the company you're calling from. You, I'm sure you have experienced that before with yeah, salespeople. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and you know the conversation is going to go wrong. You know? Absolutely. And now here, here's the number one sales mistake I'm finding myself personally. And I and I get three or four of these a day, and it's actually annoying, right? You'll get a message. Like, I'll take a mortgage broker. I can yeah. help your clients with, well, I've been in business for almost 10 years, you know, in the same business, well, seven years. And um, so seven years in this business, you mean to tell me I went seven years without having any resources? Wow. You know, like, like. Who says I need you to help my clients? Now, who says I even have clients? I could be one of the realtors that's doing very bad, right? Like, like it's just like 10, 10 or 15 different mortgage, broker, mortgage brokers a month send me the same damn message. I want to say, do you guys go through the same school, learn the same lines? Because they're worded exactly the same way. I can help your clients. Automation doesn't with. work in sales. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Why not try to get to know the person, see if there is a need for your business before you even offer them your business. Now, I, I believe if you're out there and you're genuine with people and you take real interest in them, they'll take interest in you. Like if you notice on the podcast and a general rule, I don't tell people I'm a real estate agent. I don't tell people that I have a media business that does marketing. I don't tell people any of that stuff. Why? Because you can just look me up and see it. Right. Yeah. Anybody who's interested in anything you have to say will look you up and they're going to find find out for themselves. You don't need to sit there and say, I can help you find your home. Do you know what your home is worth? You don't need any of that. That just does a bunch of uh, horse manure. I think automation and all these new uh, clever CRMs made a lot of people lazy. Yes. And if you are listening to this and you are in communication, you are in sales, I don't know. Uh, but, but, a CRM will never close you a sale. No. And there no. is no shortcut to success. If you really want to build your business, whatever business is, you need to work hard. You need to speak to clients. You need to be in front of them virtually or face-to-face. -face. You need to build that trust because there is no CRM in the world that is going to close you a sale. No customer will say, I will sign up with you because your email looks good or because your CRM and all that. They don't care. Do they no. trust you? Do they like you? Do you have substance? Like, do you know your product? 
Yeah, exactly. And that's my point. So that's the, that's the yeah. first thing. You should know your product better than everybody else. If you need Google to answer the questions, are your clients know more than you do, then you're in the wrong business. That's as simple as that. And like I said, the more you give, the more you get. And you give without expectation. And the more you can do that, then people see that you appreciate them. And as they see that you appreciate them, they remember you. Right? And they remember what you did for them. And I believe in the art of reciprocity. You don't ask for anything. You don't expect anything. You do it because you want to help. So very simple. It's a very simple process. And, and the more people try to automate it, the more they forget about all the important things. So with that being said, yeah, we without, all have our... Coming across, yeah. Yeah, without coming across, go ahead. No, without coming across as uh, we know it all is, um, is I think, you know, especially on um, sales communication as well as management, management perspective, leadership perspective, um, what I... I, I understand from, from from us what I understand from us what we're talking about. I think it's all about communicating effectively and connecting with others. And when I when I was in the UK, 25 years old, the way I manage people wrong again the, the mistake one of the mistakes I learned because I've done tons of mistakes. If you want to learn how not to run a team, come talk to me. <laughs> if you're running a team and you want to lose all your team members, come talk to me. I'll tell you all my mistakes. It's, the communication back then, it was one way. I talk, you listen, you do, you execute, you don't ask. But nowadays, it's a two-way system. And management has changed, I think. And the managers, we go from talking to questioning, from managing to coaching. Yeah, definitely. That makes total sense. Now, what I was going to say is that we all go through ups and downs and learning points, right? And there's always a moment where that lesson is so big that we get that negative emotions in our head where we start going, why am I doing this? Maybe maybe I should get a job or maybe I should do something else. I'm tired of this because it's just not right. Maybe I screwed up. I don't know something. We always have that hurdle and we feel down and out. Um, what was that moment for you and how did you overcome it? This starts with your big why. Like, if you have a strong, solid why, it will help you when the time and the day comes that you want to throw the towel. Because that time will come. It, can, it may come more than once. Yes. But if you have a big why, that why is your anchor to keep you going. And in my business coaching, this is the step number one. I go through my clients. I find out and they find out their why. And I tell you, John, if I see that a client doesn't have enough big why, that when they are starting a business or when they want to improve the business, when I train them, I stop. I tell them, look, I can get your money. I can be with you for three months, once per week, 12 sessions. You can pay me, I will coach you, you will get a lot of value. But if your why, I tell them, I feel you don't have a strong enough why and you're going to give up. And they need to find that why. And if they can't, I don't continue my coaching because it's unethical. So I stuck with my why. And your why, my why was, I don't want to work for anyone. I can't. I just, I know myself, self-awareness. 
I don't like to be kind of managed. Yes, I like to follow structures, but you know, I'm not the kind of person who is gonna do the nine to five. So, and and then then I realized I cannot go and change companies. So what I have to do, I need to adapt myself and find to do something that is for me. So that was my why. My why was not to make money because wow, I'm gonna take the money and stick them on the wall. <laughs> you know, my why was I don't want to. I can't report. You know, I I, I can't. It's just not me. And if you are listening to this and you are an employee and you are happy, there is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with me. We are all different. But whatever you do, if you find your big enough why, I think you will keep going. So what is your why? That's good. And I believe that as well. Now, at the same token, we all go through moments of that, like I said, that we just talked about where we have that struggle. But we also have moments sometimes where we go through things and we go, aha, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is it. I found my journey. Now I'm just going to go more deep into it. What was your aha moment? Yeah, my aha moment was when I, four or five years ago, when I started my coaching business. And then I took a, you know, when I exited the financial brokerage, after five years, I took my exit, I took my, you know, I took my cut, it was all good. I didn't have to, like enough, I didn't have to work. So my aha moment was, what do I do now? And then I said, you know, I have that experience. I made a lot of mistakes. I did some good things as well. And my aha moment was, you know, I see a lot of people that they bring frustrations, work frustrations at home. Yes. And they shout at their kids. I've done it. Maybe you've done it. You, your wife, to your spouse, to your parents, to your partner. And then I realized, you know, there is a better way to do this. So that was my aha moment. I said, let me help managers, business owners, leaders to stop micromanaging, to stop bringing frustrations at home because it's unhealthy. It, it's not fair on the other person, you know, on the opposite party, on your yeah, spouse, yeah. on your parent, on your whatever, whoever. Is, 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 you know, and let me help these people increase productivity. Let me share with them my mistakes because I'm sure they are facing similar mistakes. So that was my kind of aha moment. Which is good. That's a good one. So now I'm going to ask you one last question before I go into a lightning round, which is just fun questions. Right. And is, how do you know it's been a successful day? Yeah, I normally, good question. I normally plan my week every Sunday. Like, and for mm -hmm. me, like, you know, with a, if it's not on my calendar, it's some, if something is not on my calendar, on my calendar, it doesn't exist because I will forget, right? So I have my, my workstations, my calendar, I have my mobile and I have automatic notifications in everything that is coming up half an hour before and 10 minutes before. So I kind of don't forget things because I'm busy. I forget things. So I, when it's been a successful day is when I managed to complete all the things I wanted to do, which I planned every Sunday and the night before. So I, 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 I realized that I, I struggled a lot in, in the past with distractions. Like, you right. know, we are doing this right now. Just before we started, this is my phone and my phone is off. Because I don't want it to start blinking or call. Because I know I want to give you, I want to give us, I want to give me half an hour. 
So this is something I learned, like to block myself from distractions rather than trying to multitask at the same time. Yes. So half an hour, I do this 100% full heart, full brain. So this one works for me. And this is how I, I, I measure if my day, it has been successful. If I actually can control myself to control my distractions, especially now where everything is online. So many distractions, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially the email, ding, ding, ding. ding you know, like... WhatsApp, <laughs> the clients, this, that. So I, you know, we need, I think we need to be super organized because we're not in control otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So getting into the lightning round, just a few uh, fun okay. questions. So the first question is going to be, what is your favorite food and why? My favorite food is spicy food. Ooh. Yes. Um, like, um, you know, you can have spicy crab. You can have a spicy noodle. You can have nasi lemak, which is a, um, a Malaysian spicy food, which is, which is chicken with rice and some spicy. I like spicy food in general. Okay, spaghetti, seafood, spicy seafood, spaghetti. I actually love food. And I think, I don't know, one of the things why I love Asia is because the food is amazing. And like, you have so much influence from all over the world. Like, so I like spicy food. I like interesting food. Yes. Yeah, me as well. I, I like spicy as well. <laughs> I, I usually, uh, like when I was younger, I used to like, I'm going to use chicken wings as an example. Uh -huh. When I used to have chicken wings, they asked me how hot. I used to say suicide hot. And people wow. just looked at me and go, whoa. <laughs> and I loved it. I love that spice. It's just that it's because when you're done eating, you still got that flavor in your mouth. And it's <laughs> it's great. It's, it's great. You have to get used to it. I think like I think my spiciness levels go up and down right now. Right now, for the last couple of months, I'm in Europe. And I see that my spicing, spiciness acceptance starts to kind of go down because I'm not so exposed here, you know. That's but true. Once I go back to Asia, a couple of weeks later, my level goes up and up and up because, you know, lots of dishes there are spicy. Yeah, that's so true. And again, it's like, it's experiences. So, yes. um, favorite vacation spot and why? I like the beach. Uh, and I'm the kind of person who likes... I don't really like all these energetic, go crazy holidays, bungee jumpings mm -hmm. and all that. Like for me, a holiday is, yeah, you know, I like big, you know, I, not big, yeah, I like kind of, I like holidays where I can kind of pamper myself and just relax and watch with flip flops and go for massage and enjoy the sauna, the jacuzzi, swim, sleep well. I like these kind of holidays, have good food, couple of glasses of wine at night, you know, good night's sleep. I like this kind of, um, spa re-energize holidays yes and as long as there is a beach and a fresh air i'm fine with it that makes sense i i, I can i can agree with you on that one like I, i'm all about adventure i love adventure but uh to me that's not uh that's not vacation that's just going on an adventure vacation you know and i, I think yes. you're like me where your mind is going 24 7 even when you're not working it's still spinning and I mean, um I do the, not the the skiing. Sometimes we go with the family, you know, for short ski holidays, two three days. But then I need a couple of days to recover because I got I come back more tired than I was, you know. Yeah. So we yeah, I enjoy upper ski and all that. But I like more relaxed, minimalistic things, like not so many clothes and 
yeah and uh, I, I like someone to just to go back more relaxed and rested than I came you know true so next question is what is your favorite book and why yeah I read loads of books um I don't know about favorite book. You know, I don't really have a favorite book. But right now, a book I read, if I can share it with you. Where yes. is it? It's, I think it's on the other table. Um, I read uh, Marshall Goldsmith. Um, what got you here will not get you there. Oh, I've heard of that uh, one. Yes. It's in terms of coaching and management. Basically, you know, the skills and the attitude of coaches and managers and our life in general, what got us here it will not get us there. Yeah, that's true. So it's about, you know, listening, you know, listening is about um, how to approach different situations. It's about not talking so much. And it's about having that mindset of, I don't know it all. And, um, you know, it's a great book, you know, and, and I learned a lot of things, you know, sometimes he says, you know, if you read something or if you're listening to someone and, you know, you think, you know, it all at least, you know, you can just say thank you. There is no need to put on your top of your knowledge that you know it all. Right? Sometimes he says thank you. To say thank you is more than enough. And he says in the book, one of the takeaways, if I can share with you, is like For sure. when, you, when you're listening to someone, even, even though that person says something that you know more of the subject, you can never in your brain unlearn something. So he says, if you, you know, you can never take away knowledge. You cannot, right, right. I cannot unlearn something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You cannot take it away. So he says, even if you feel that you know it, just don't go around like you know it. Just say thank you and walk away with whatever you want to walk away with. So it's a great book in terms of, you know, keeping you cool and being the kind of person that, um, that, that listens well and observes and adds value when it needs to be added. Um, great book. Highly recommend it. Good to know. I'm going to definitely get it for myself. Um, favorite podcast? Yours. Of course. Say, say, right? <laughs> uh, no, good. I like podcasts. You know, my favorite podcast, again, I don't... I actually, look, I, I listen to Tony Robbins. Yes. And I've listened to many podcasts, especially when I exercise every, every, every day, one hour. I just put and just because it, I can focus and I can do two things at once and you know, so why? You know, it's something I learned as well. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, especially I listen to podcasts like from HBR, Harvard Business Review. Great topics, really deep, but the way they speak is monotonous. Mm. But Tony Robbins, I mean, you cannot compare him with everyone. Even though it's just audio, I'm engaged. I can yeah. feel his energy through the speakers. Like his tone of voice goes up and down. So it works for me. So I think Tony Robbins, not not specifically to the topics, but it keeps me it keeps his me engaged. Presentation. And I yeah. guess his presentation, his delivery, and I learned a lot. It's because what he is, it's a, as I call it, he's alive. <laughs> he's live, he's energetic, and it's amazing. It comes from the heart. For sure. This is what I think. Yeah. Which is great because yeah, too many people out there are sitting there doing things because they think it's a strategy. Right, like, like I don't do my podcast because it's a strategy. I, I, you know, a lot of times people say, "Hi, hey, what's the ROI?" And the truth is, I have no idea. 
I'm doing this because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's education. I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I think I can give out value to people watching it. Now, do I get business from it? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't get business from it. But I'm not doing it for that. And then when you're doing it because you genuinely like something, it comes across better. Not great. So last question is going to be, where do people find you online? LinkedIn. Evan Zivanakis. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on... Yeah, I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn. I like, I like it. Um, and on my website, which I think we, you have it, we have it there, right? Yes, executive yeah, yeah. coach. Yes, executivecoachasia.com and on LinkedIn. Fantastic. I want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you, John. The pleasure was mine. If you like what you saw and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.